0: This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit RedemptionAZ.com. Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. And remember, the reason we stand is to remember that this is God's Word. So why we're standing, we're posturing ourselves with ears open. We know God speaks. Can you say amen to that? So the question is, not does God speak, it's are we listening? Those who have ears, let them hear God's word as we hear. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. They were all expecting him. and A man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to the house. Because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could hear her, heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked, and all denied it, but Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Jesus said, someone touched me, and I know power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone in except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. So they all laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up, Then Jesus told them, give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, here's what I want to do today. It'll be a little bit different than we we normally do. I want to go through this text one more time and just, on the screen, highlight some things, point out some things, and then come back after we go through the whole text and highlight stuff and then make some points. So I want you to follow along with me, if you could, and I'm going to try to draw some connectors here. First, I want you to look in verse 40, where it says, The crowd welcomed him. And they were all expecting him. So there is a, a deep longing. They welcomed him. They, he was wanted by this crowd. They were expecting him. And when he comes, there's there's a man named Jairus. He's got a name and he's a synagogue leader. And he's got a title. And he came and fell at Jesus' feet. And he's pleading with him to come into his house because his only daughter who was about 12 now i want you to maybe look at that highlight that was about 12 was dying and then you see jesus is on his way he's going there and there's another woman And she's been subject to bleeding for about 12 years. Now, I want you to notice this connection, if you will, between the 12. 12 years. 12 years. Very different 12 years, but 12 years. And this time, it's not a man, but it's a woman. And she is subject to suffering and pain, and and in this case... She comes and just touches him. So up here we see speaking, and down here we see touch. And immediately her bleeding stopped. And Jesus then asks, who touched me? Now this is Jesus speaking, who touched me? And Peter said, everyone? Not to be rude, Jesus, but everyone. That, that answer didn't satisfy Jesus. And he demands, someone has touched me. Which I want you to notice, he's distinguishing everyone's touch from someone's touch. It, it's a different kind of touch. Because power has gone out from him. And then the woman, I want you to notice this woman, the woman is seeing something. She can't go unnoticed, but she wanted to go unnoticed. She comes trembling. Now, this kind of trembling, that she's falling at his feet, is is a fear, but it's a a different kind of fear. And we're going to talk about that. And in the presence of the people, she says, I'm the one who touched him, but I was instantly healed. And then Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, while Jesus was still speaking, if you could notice this, this, the author is wanting you to know that while this is going on, This is happening. This is taking place at the same time. This is an important detail because while Jesus is speaking a word of healing, Jairus is receiving simultaneously a word that his daughter has died. This is happening at the same time. Split screen this. And to say, here's, since your daughter has died, here's what you need to do. Stop bothering Jesus. Okay? Now, what we see happen next is that Jesus is done now speaking to this woman. And now he speaks to Jairus and says, don't be afraid. He's speaking against a different kind of fear. Don't be afraid, but just believe. She will be healed. And then he arrives at the house, and there's a whole crowd who's wailing and mourning and crying. There's a whole crowd who is weeping over the loss of this 12 year old child. And Jesus says, Stop wailing. She's just sleeping. And they all laugh at him. They begin to mock him. All of a sudden, the crowd that was wailing turns to, cry, to laughing. The, the emotion switch here is pretty fascinating. And cracking up now. Because they knew she was dead. But then at that point, Jesus takes her by the hand, takes, goes in and, and, and says, look, I'm only taking Peter, James, and John, and, and, and I'm taking Peter, John, and James, and the mom and dad shuts the door, moves everybody out, and then he says, again, Jesus says, my child, get up. Note, I want you to keep noticing the family language that is being used here. My daughter, my child, get up. Her spirit returned her, and at once, he says, let's get her something to eat. Hmm? And her parents are tripping. (laughs) And he says, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Now, in order for us to take a moment and just highlight those things, I want you to keep that stuff in your mind because I'm going to start making connections on, on, on all of that, but I won't be able to go back and, and re-highlight it. So I want you to remember those, those highlights that we make because I first want you to, to just take a moment and, and realize that, um, that the woman and the man are two very different people with the same need. Now let's look at how different they are. Uh, he's 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 rich. She's spent everything. She's poor. She has nothing left. Besides the fact that it says he's a man and she's a woman, and what all that comes in that culture, this culture. He's also known as powerful. He has a position. He's a leader of the synagogue. He has a position and his title is recognized in the text. A leader. She is not given a title, she's just a woman. Plus, he has a name, Jairus. She doesn't have a name that we know of, she's a woman. He has access. Notice there's a huge crowd. Everybody's waiting for him. But when Jairus shows up, everybody moves out of the way and he gets access to Jesus. He gets to speak. He gets to talk. He gets to beg. He gets to fall on his knees. He gets to come before Jesus and boldly just say, Come on, let's go. He's used to getting what he wants. She's not. He is not sick. His daughter is. He's a leader. And if you know anything about the role of a father or a leader is that they begins to think like I got to be able to care for, take care of and you hit a point where you realize I can't Heal them. I can't save them. I can't change them. And for the first time, if you will, he's feeling weak and vulnerable and helpless. He is in need. He's a father speaking for his daughter. She's a daughter with no father to speak for her. They're very different. Very different. They couldn't be more different. The, the thing about a crowd is in, in a room like this, all of you are uniquely different. And, and Not just in gender, in class, in race, but in needs, in areas of brokenness, in strengths. Some of you are known, some of you are not known. Some of you have lots of followers, others of you can't get one. Some of you have gifts and talents, others of you struggling, right? You don't see it. People don't see it. Very different. They couldn't be more different. And the problem with being different is you only understand your need. Now that's why for me that, that 12 year detail starts to play games with my mind. Why did Luke put 12 years, 12 year old child, 12 Years of struggling and pain. I think he timelines line, time it because it makes you kind of go back, in my opinion, and think what was happening 12 years ago. 12 years ago, this man who has everything had one more thing given to him that fulfilled the deepest joy of his heart. He had his first and only daughter. All of a sudden he went from a leader and a teacher and and, and successful to in love with this young baby girl and everything. It became his world. It It was everything to him and it was his joy. And the last 12 years, if you will, he has experienced life with his daughter. But her last 12 years, 12 years ago, everything changed. She lost everything, if you will. She spent all that she had. She's been suffering for 12 years. She's been in agony for 12 years. She's been trying everything for 12 years and nothing except All that comes with it. If you would read what they would have to do in those times in order to to experience the healing, it's embarrassing. And people would laugh and mock. It was not something you would want people to know about. So no wonder she would not want to be seen. And 12 years ago... Two worlds changed, one with life and the other with death and brokenness. And can you imagine this leader of a synagogue in the same town, in the same city, in the same place, and maybe crossing this woman on the street for 12 years and not noticing her need? Because he was filled with so much joy. Because if we're honest, we're often blinded to the needs of others. Until we recognize that we also are in need. There is something about that we are so different that we forget that as different as we are, there's something... That we all need. And there's something so much deeper. And so often, whether we're the the place of the woman or we're in the place of the man, we can be blinded to the reality and begin to believe. If everybody just knew the kind of need and struggle and pain that I was, and we can become blinded by our own suffering, or we can become blinded by our own joys. That we begin to think our differences separates us and drives us apart and it's hard for us to see that we all actually are deeply in need but as different as they are what they really need if you will if you'll go there with me what they really need is Jesus that was a great spot to say amen what they really need is Jesus all right I had to say it different that's all I had to do Jesus I'm trying to learn from you Wayne I'm trying to get it bro <laughs> They needed Jesus and and here's the reality what we're trying to, t- to do in, in, in a series like this is pause for a moment and realize while you all are looking for the definition of love so that you could live it out, Jesus shows us love is not defined, it's embodied. You won't know love apart from knowing Jesus. So until you see love walked among us, I won't know love unless I'm walking with love, and I won't know how to live love unless I'm following love. So when we look at Jesus, we see in the midst of all these differences, love remains. But I want you to notice a couple of things as we walk through the text. First is, love does not treat everyone the same. This is hard for us until we break it into family language. If you have multiple kids, I do. I got five. I'm blessed. I love each one of them so deeply. But I will tell you this. I got five kids. They have the same parents. And you would think that they got nothing in common. Except two parents, they they act different, they joke different, they have different insecurities, different fears, different pains, different strengths, different weaknesses. They are completely different. And you only know that if you love them. If you look at them in one big bunch, you don't know it. But I know it. And if you know your children, you understand this fairness is not treating everybody the same. Love is not about treating everybody the same. Now, my kids may tell me that, Dad, it's not fair. Why do you do that for them and not do that for me? Because you're not them, you're you. But it's not fair. We should all be treated fairly. You see, we're so used to trying to fight to be treated fair that we don't know how to receive true love. Because we want to be treated like our brothers and sisters, we don't know that God is treating us not how we deserve, but as a father who knows you and loves you. You see, there's a whole crowd touching him. But he goes, who's touching me? Peter goes, everyone. He didn't notice the touch of the crowd. He noted the touch of one. You see, if you understand the heart of a father, you understand love doesn't just bunch everybody together and treat us all the same. He knows us. That's why when people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm struggling with my wife, and I see you and your wife kind of like each other. Can you tell us? I don't like my wife, but you guys seem like you, you actually like each other. Can you tell me what is it that you do for your wife that really just, you know? I don't know that, what that is. And I go, No. I can't tell you because she's my wife, and the thing that shows love to my wife, you could try for your wife, but if I give you advice on how to love your wife, then what you'll end up doing is loving my wife. I think so often our marital advice gives people excuses for not knowing each other. You got to know your wife. I don't know your wife. Slow down. Take time. See her like you used to see her. Fall in love with all parts of her brokenness and beauty, every part. If you don't know it, then I can't tell you. If you're already asking for advice on what you can do, you could try it. And she goes, who'd you learn that from? (laughs) Listen, the beauty of love is that it's not just rooted in one patent answer. It's rooted in deeply knowing someone. And if you're going to love somebody and truly love them, you have to begin to see it's not about treating everyone the same. This is illustrated perfectly because there's a couple of things that I want you to see. First, love is on a different (laughs) timetable. Jesus is too slow for the busy guy and too fast for the fearful woman. And I want you to notice this because Jesus... Walks slow, oh, yeah, I got you, Jairus, I got you, let's go, right? And everybody's crowding around him, and he's like, let's go, Jesus, let's go, I got things to do. She's dying. He's stopping, somebody touches him, and he goes, who touched me? He's chatting with Peter. He's recognizing some girl that nobody even knows. And while he's doing all that, Jairus is going, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then somebody goes, stop bothering him. She's already dead. See, we think love is all about meeting demands all about being busy and hurt. I got got needs, I got needs, I got needs. And and we end up calling on somebody when everything's falling apart. Pastor, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And then they don't respond immediately or something doesn't happen immediately and we immediately jump to, well, if they love me, they would meet my demands. Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned about meeting demands. He's kind of just walking through. Who touched me? What's going on here? And then he's also... A little too fast, if you will, it says he's kind of pressing ahead through the crowds, and she has to kind of catch up to him behind him and touch the hem of his garbage. She's rooted in shame and insecurity and fear. There's a lot of things she doesn't want to be known and she And so she's she's been trying this for 12 years. You think she's got some deep-rooted issues below her pain and suffering? You think she wanted it to happen this long? You think it was, so she's, all right, well, she touches the hem of his garment and she is immediately healed. And when you say that, that's fast, immediately, done, she's healed. And she's like, whoa, whoa, uh, ooh, I don't want him to know that just happened. Immediately. Well, why didn't Jesus heal Jairus' daughter immediately? Why didn't he just say, oh, yeah, she's healed, go back home. Because he doesn't treat him the same. There wasn't one patent answer for both. He wasn't swept up in Jairus's busyness, and he wasn't swept up in her fears. And he was loving them. The, th- the next thing you need to notice inside of this is that love is more public than the unnoticed want and more private than public figures desire. Did you notice that when Jesus shows love to the woman, she touches the hem of his garment, and immediately is healed. He feels power leave his body, and and then he says, who touched me? And she's trying to shrink back into the crowd, and and she doesn't want to be noticed, and, and Jesus is like, who touched me? And Peter's like, everyone, yeah, yeah, okay, let's go. And nobody's admitting to it. And finally, Scripture says she realizes she can't go unnoticed. She comes out and says, it was me, but this is what happened. And Jesus does something that is incredible. He he says, listen, um, I I want you to see that... uh, Nobody has been paying attention to you, and 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 you've gone unnoticed, you don't even have a name, and and all these things. He sees this, he knows this, and he realized that right there was a father who was speaking for her his daughter, and this woman didn't have a father to speak for her. And he goes, I'll be the father to her. I'll speak for her. nobody else speak for, her. I'll stop everything. She touches me, and then he goes, hey, girl, this is my girl. This is my daughter. Y'all didn't notice her. Y'all passed her up for 12 years. Y'all didn't see her. I see her. That's because she's my daughter. Right here's a father who's boldly proclaiming, heal my daughter, and here's been a daughter that nobody would speak for. And he goes, I'll... I'm her father. He's a father to the fatherless. And here you see a woman who needed somebody to speak for her. And it wasn't just about her being healed. You see, it wasn't just about her having the issue of blood. So, so often we think our deepest issue is the surface issues. If I could just be healed of an issue of blood and Jesus goes, No, I want to remove all the shame that's underneath that. And I want you to now come out of darkness. And I want to bring you into the light. And I want everybody to see I'm a proud father. And he brings her into the public. And he puts her out and goes, my girl. This is my girl. And then he says, it's your faith that has made you well. And he uses her. And he recognizes her, and he sees her, and then he speaks to her, go in peace. You see, everyone was touching him, but he recognized the touch of his daughter. Everyone was touching him, but there was a difference in this touch, It was a touch of faith. It wasn't a touch that was rooted in in just her need. It was a touch of of faith. It was this one in which he saw because faith is what makes us these children. It's it's this trusting in our Father that makes us his children. And someone who is insecure and filled with shame and, and full of brokenness and pain, if he just said, well, let's just leave that in private. What was deeply needed was that she heard, I see you. You don't have a name, I'm going to give you one. Daughter. That not only is a name for you, that's a title for you. You didn't have a title, you got one now. You're my kid. And he wants everyone, the whole crowd, you all overlooked her, she's been here This is my girl 12 years ago. This is a proud father because what we need to see is the father heart of God. He's a father to the fatherless. He loves his child. But not only does he love this girl, he loves Jairus. But he loves him completely differently. Because this son... While he is speaking to this unnoticed daughter that he may have been walking by for years and wouldn't speak up for her as a synagogue leader but just passed her by, this one is standing there scared because he just heard his daughter has died. While Jesus is speaking life, he's hearing a word of death. While Jesus is speaking peace, he's being filled with fear. Not the kind of fear this woman had, which was a fear that is rooted in reverence and respect, but a fear that he had just lost all that was valuable to him. And he notices that. It says he hears that while he's speaking to her. And he says to Jairus, uh, Don't fear. Just have faith. I'm going to heal her. And then he goes and he pushes everybody out and he tells the mourners, hey, stop mourning. I love that line. Stop mourning. <laughs> and then you know it's fake mourning when he says she's sleeping and everybody goes from tears straight to laughter and mocking and scoffing. It's just a crazy emotion switch. He wasn't doing stand-up comedy, right? He kicks everybody out, and he picks three. Why did he only pick these three, these ones who maybe had what that woman had? Deep trust, and then he says, you all come in with me, you three, and then your parents, you come in, and she's just sleeping. Chill out. And he comes in, and he says, Basically, daughter. He says, my girl, my get up. And she gets up, and he doesn't just heal her. He says, hey, she, she's got more needs. She needs some food. She, it's amazing to me that love doesn't just look at what we think we need. It knows what we truly need. And it meets the needs that we often overlook. It rooted out her shame and her insecurities, and it went deep into the heart. It, it, it healed this woman, but then it also did something for Jairus. She's, Jairus is used to being known and celebrated. See, if it was me and people started laughing at me like, oh, yeah, she's sleeping, really, I'll be like, boom, be healed. And then she pops up, and I'm just, drop the mic, right? It's over with. <laughs> what now? Said I couldn't do it. But Jesus goes, get out of here. She's just sleeping. Walks in and then says, look, don't tell anybody. Because love is not driven by impressing crowds or defeating scoffers. Love is not about proving a point. And what Jairus need, who's used to being seen and used to being known and used to being a teacher and used to getting his way, was going... That's all shallow. You need a love that's in a secret place. You need a love that nobody even knows about. You can't, can't even talk. And you need that love to be so deep. Don't, don't tell anybody about this because this love was for him. You see, if, if Jesus loves us like he, he says he does, then there are some of his children that need to be brought into the public and being, I see you. I see you. You're my girl. I know everybody's been overlooking you, but I see you. And then, hey, Jairus, you see my girl here? Faith, you should be like that. Just believe me. And she becomes the teacher. She becomes the one that Jesus goes that's my daughter. She's the teacher. She's the one. Y'all need to have that, that kind of belief, that kind of trust, that kind of faith. He says to the look, if you just have, just have faith, it's my girl. Now the, the one that's been overlooked is coming into the light. Some of us, because God loves you so deeply, he wants to remove some deep insecurities and shame because you've been living in insecurity and shame and fear for so long. And the healing you've been praying for is much, you need a a deeper healing. And so he wants to bring you into a public space. He wants you to know he sees you. But for some of you, you're so used to just doing things for the public eye. You're so used to having your faith be rooted in social media posts and, and bragging and talking about it. And You're so used to getting your way. You're so used to just seeing and passing everybody else's needs and not be acquainted with everybody. Because you just know you got your whole thing together. And if they get it like you, they'd get it. But, but the reality is is... He knows what you need. He loves you so deeply that what he does is go. I I want to know you in a place that nobody knows about. A secret place. You see, because all of this is about fear. Did you notice that both of them had a kind of fear? One kind of fear was a reverence and a respect, and he called it faith. it was a a one in which she was she did, she didn't want to be noticed and he exalted that and he acknowledged her faith that this was one kind of fear, but the other kind of fear was rooted in a disbelief that g- he couldn't do it. But first John 4:18 says this, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one whose fears is not made perfect in love and what he's speaking and what he's showing here is that when true love is somewhere fear is cast out he says to the woman go in peace he says to the man don't be afraid Because here's what your fear is rooted in. Your fear is rooted in a fear of punishment. All of our fears and insecurities are rooted in what Jesus reveals here. We have deep daddy issues. We do. We believe. That if we don't do it the right way, if we don't act the right way, if we don't try everything we can and get all these things done and, and follow the right rules and say the right things, if we don't do it, He won't be proud of us and He'll punish us. 'll think our we'll think our weaknesses our, our punishment we'll think all the things that we have is just punishment and he's and he's looming over us and if we're honest we have this unhealthy fear of our father God because we think he's just angry wanting to punish us and the reason why fear can't be a motivator for love is because love is rooted in something totally different. Love is rooted in this reality that He loves His kids. And then all of our weakness and all of our need and all of our brokenness, we could come to Him. Because He's the only source of healing and life and peace. Many of us are walking around in fear of our Father, believing that He's just waiting for us to fail. And He acknowledges something that's different than fear, that's rooted in love, and it's called faith. You see, faith is not the freak show we've made of it in this world. See, we made faith into a work of the flesh. We've made faith into something where we just name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, believe it, receive it. It's all about us. Rather than rooted in what true faith biblically is, it's rooted in knowing your Father and hearing His voice and doing what He says. It's rooted in listening and obeying. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. And then faith without works is is dead. And it's this deep abiding trust. I trust my dad. I trust my father. I know that his love is pure and right and true. There's no other love like my father's love. And if he needs to do something in me in public, I trust him. If he needs to do something me in private, I trust him. If he needs to speed up, I I trust him. If he needs to slow down, I trust him I know that he knows what I need more than I know what I need I trust him and faith is that deep-rooted trust in who God is and in his word and that was what that woman had and you're saying well he didn't say anything He didn't say anything. She went up, touched it, and power came out of him. He didn't say anything. And if it's rooted in him saying something, then what did he say? Well, Scripture says in Malachi 4.2 that you will revere his name. This reverence is a different kind of fear because some translations say fear But this is the word reverence. It's a different kind. It's the kind of fear she had. You'll revere his name, prophetically speaking, of the one who is coming, this Jesus who is there, the Son of Righteousness. This is the one that's coming. The Son of Righteousness will rise and there will be healing in his rays or wings or edge or extremity or hem. And what will happen is she touches the very hem of his garments, this one that she loves and trusts and obeys, this son of righteousness who has healing there. And she walks away like a well fed calf, like a well fed child, like one who is fully healed and restored. It's rooted in his word. It's rooted in His promises. It's rooted in who He is, and a child knows, and trusts, and believes. And it's not based upon all that she knows and has and has done. It's not rooted in punishment and fear. It's rooted in trust and the touch that He recognizes. Is a trust. It's a, it's a touch of trust. It's a touch from a daughter, from a son. See, today as we come to the altar, I'm asking for just space. There's a whole crowd in here, but each one of you are different. And Some of you, I got this today, but I'll say this. Need runs rampant. Brokenness runs rampant in this room. And what we really need to know is the love. And we come to this table and we drink deeply of his body and blood, his finished work. He took our punishment. Can you say amen? church could you say amen he took our punishment this is not a love rooted in fear of punishment it's gone right he took our punishment so we come to the table hungry and thirsty in need of him but also if you need prayer We'll have some elders and prayer team there ready to pray for you. We want to pray for you. But I also ask Kyle to just sing a song. You give life. You give love. You bring light to the darkness. And then a song of worship. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you. That this would be a time for his children to respond to him. To come to him. I don't know the place that you're at in your life. But I guarantee you it's different than mine. But here's what I do know. His love remains. His love is rooted in his character and life. And it's also rooted in his knowing of you, his children. So come to him with all that you have and all that you are. And experience true love. The tables are open. We'll sing together. And if you need prayer, let us pray for you.